Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth that joins Jew and Gentile. The author is saying to these Hebrew Christians that Jesus is the final prophet and the way in which God speaks to men in the new covenant. You see, the church age had begun when God would call Jew and Gentile one in one body. Ephesians emphasizes that over and over again. Jew and Gentile, no bond, no Scythian, no male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, no Scythian, no barbarian, all one in Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, it's great to have you here introducing a brand new series, if not a challenging one. Hebrews is an interesting book, the Leviticus of the New Testament. In Hebrews, we are told very clearly, as well as warned, that Christ is the only way, the only name, the only priest, the only sacrifice, the only one through whom God speaks through in these last days. And therefore, any attempt to reject Jesus, to add to the work of Jesus, is truly a violation of God's requirement for those who are going to go to heaven. It is in Him and Him alone that we are forgiven. It is in Him and in His name alone that we are presented before the Father. He has spoken through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken us through his dear son. So people have to be confronted with the issues of, do they believe the revelation of God or not? Do not believe that the book of Hebrews is not for today, as many teach. It is as valid today as it was in those days, warning Hebrews who had put their trust in Christ and then later went back to sacrifices. And it was impossible to renew them to repentance again under the old system, not that they could not repent and come back recognizing their error. It's the old system that you come out of, that there is no atoning power. And therefore, you are left with one choice alone, to place your sins under the cross of Christ or to bear them before God yourself. The one will give you forgiveness. The other one will give you eternal separation from God for all eternity. But the choice is yours. It is a choice and you have that choice. You can go to hell if you work hard enough, but you really don't have to go there. Again, God gives you that choice. He prefers that you make the right choice because He loves you. Open your heart to the work of Hebrews. It'll be an incredible book. Well, I'm looking forward to the weeks ahead and a very timely message for the times we find ourselves in today. Very appropriate because these are some of the strongest warnings to Christians. Chapter 6, chapter 10. Many feel condemned. Many fear. Listen, those warnings are real warnings. Do not water them down. Go through Hebrews chapter 1 to the end of chapter 13. He's talking to Christians. He begins by saying, don't drift away. You abide in Christ. If you walk away from Christ, there remains no sacrifice for you. We're not talking about backsliding. We're not talking about falling into sin. We have an advocate of defense. We're talking about someone who turns their back on Christ. Don't believe that you can be saved from sin and not go back into sin as a lifestyle. It is a choice. You're not a robot. Here's the simplicity of it. Abide in Christ. Now, do us a favor. As you are listening to these messages, let us know if they're ministering to you. If you would disagree with us, let us know too. No problem. We need to know we're reaching you. The Bible is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So we hope to hear from you. God bless. So true. And if you have a computer handy, jot down this email address so you can let us know how Pastor Xavier's studies have impacted you. 
and its simple truths at ccpas.com. That's simple truths at ccpas.com. Of course, if you prefer to put your comments down in letter form, our mailing address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating those before we close. But for right now, let's begin today's message, the first in our new series of Hebrews titled, You Cannot Do Better Than Jesus. Let's listen. The author of the book of Hebrews is writing, as you know, to Hebrew Christians who had received Christ, but now we're considering returning back to the Old Testament sacrifices and the law. And the writer is pleading and he's concerned, he loves them. Much like perhaps you might know a father who has pled with his son. Through the process of time, his bad company, his conduct, and things that have been happening, he pleads with them over and over again not to be going back to certain things because it'll be his destruction. He, he has no protection. He has no stability. And try as he may, the son just ignores him and even at times becomes arrogant and disrespectful. And though the father is brokenhearted, he can do nothing to force his son. And that's the same as the writer here. This is the picture of the book of Hebrews. And Jesus told the Jews one day in John 5, 39, you do search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they that speak of me. They rejected him. They didn't, they didn't see that. In fact, after the resurrection, as you know, Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with the two men, he came alongside them and he began from Moses to the prophets to concerning himself, pointing these things out in Luke 24. And I wish we had that record. The entire Old Testament, there's a red thread, Jesus. Now, the author to the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is superior to the prophets by virtue of three truths here in the first opening verses, which really is the foundation of the rest of the book. Let me read it. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ is superior to the prophets by virtue of three truths. First, Jesus is the final proclamation of God to man. Here you have the ultimate prophet. Verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2. Secondly, Jesus is the finest revelation of God, being man, the unsurpassing king. The rest of verse 2 till the middle of verse 3. And then finally, Jesus is the finished expiation of God forgiving the sins of man, the incomparable priest. The rest of verse 3. And these three offices will be expounded in the book of Hebrews. He is a superior prophet, king, and priest. No Old Testament king or person ever occupied those three offices except for Jesus Christ. Let me read you something here. The pulpit commentary cites the following about the opening verses because we don't get it in our English. He says, not merely the alliteration, but the Greek rhythmical flow betokens an original composition, the rolling music of language cannot, of course, be reproduced in the English translation. There is much loss there. You can't, if you know Spanish, you know that you can't translate jokes into English. 
And if you're in English, you can't translate more. There's certain things that just don't come across because either it's too wooden and you lose the sense or you try so much to make the sense that you lose the whole meaning sometimes. And it's difficult, um, such is the case here. Let's begin here with the first. Jesus is the final proclamation of God to man, the ultimate prophet. Notice first that God has spoken through individuals in the past. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. The literal order is in many portions and in many modes of old God having spoken to the fathers in the prophets. These Hebrew Jews were thinking of going back to the old covenant as we've stated. It had been established by God through men, but notice that this is at the very start of the treaties here that God spoke. This is the foundation of every Jew, every Hebrew. He's getting their attention right off hand. No one would deny it. He takes them back to the beginning, asking Jesus many times, especially about divorce and remarriage. And Jesus says, it was not so from the beginning. He took them back to the scriptures. Now the Hebrews notice are told also that God has spoken at various times in the past. The reason being is simple. He must reveal himself. God cannot be found out. God cannot be discovered. He cannot be uh, understood intellectually alone. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 1, 19 through 21. God has to reveal himself. Now notice the phrase there various times. It means in many portions or stages. The idea uh, is that of being fragmentary and progressive. No one prophet had the entire complete revelation of Christ. No one prophet had all the understanding of the whole revelation of God. It was fragmentary, pieces. You've ever put a picture puzzle together? It's kind of hard. First you try to get the edges, right? And you, even, you don't know where it is, and then pretty soon, all of a sudden, boom, there it is, I see it. But you've got a lot, of put a, piece, a lot of pieces together. This is the Old Testament. It wasn't complete. But notice the next phrase, various ways, means in many ways or modes. Now the idea is not so much the various methods in terms of forms like dreams or visions or face-to-face like he spoke to Moses or angels or theophanies of the fire or the cloud. The intent is different modes such as in the books of the law, history, prophecy, the Psalms, which communicate and contain God's revelation. Okay? So Moses saw the Messiah as the prophet like unto him who would come in Deuteronomy 18.18. The psalmist saw the Messiah sometimes suffering, then sometimes victorious, conquering, a dilemma for the Jewish mind. God spoke for 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus Christ in parts, partial in nature. And so this phrase refers now to the quality, the first to quantity. This one refers to the quality of the revelation. The past revelation was true and accurate, even though it was partial and fragmentary. Okay? Very important. Now, notice the Hebrews are reminded to whom he spoke in the past. He spoke to the fathers. The fathers here in the patriarchal sense means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the general sense, it refers to all the descendants of the past who were involved and part of the salvation history of Israel. God spoke to the fathers, notice, by the prophet. 
Men were the instrument. These men were chosen by God to be the instrument to communicate the mind and the will of God. This would include all the way back to Enoch, the seventh from Adam. God gave the first prophecy to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman. The first promise of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Genesis 3.15. Enoch promised, a prophesied the seventh from Adam about the coming of the Lord's second coming. And so many other prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Habakkuk, uh, Obadiah. Uh, get into these books. Find out who they are. Now notice, secondly, God has spoken to individuals in the present now also. He spoke in the past, now in the present. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. The important reference point is given in these last days. And the term means two things. It marks the end of the old economy, the Old Testament, and it identifies the new economy, the age of grace. The term defines the completion of the progressive revelation of the Old Testament in and by the Son in total fulfillment of his first coming. There's much yet to be fulfilled, but of his first coming. The last days are the final in contrast to the past early days of partial revelation of verse 1. And so the Jews saw two ages constantly, the present age and the age to come. The age to come would be when the Messiah would come, destroy the enemies, and set up the kingdom. That's why the disciples constantly kept asking Jesus, will you restore the kingdom at this time to the very last minute when they were gonna, he was going to go up on the Mount of Olives to ascend to heaven? He says, don't worry about it. Go tear in Jerusalem. They didn't see the age to come. They didn't see the church age. They saw only the millennial kingdom. They had their presuppositions about their theology so much they couldn't accept the teachings of Jesus. Listen, if you have some presuppositions about salvation, I think the book of Hebrews is going to mess up your theology. I hope you're not like the disciples, so boxed in in your systematic theology that you have no room for the scriptures to speak. Be open. Examine. Be a Berean. The author is saying to these Hebrew Christians that Jesus is the final prophet and the way in which God speaks to men in the new covenant, synonymous with the age to come. You see, the church age had begun when God would call Jew and Gentile one in one body. Ephesians epiphasizes that over and over again. Jew and Gentile, no bond, no Scythian, no male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, no Scythian, no barbarian, all one in Christ. Interesting. Now look at the word son. No article in it. Literally son, a son. And it's emphasizing character and nature distinct from the prophets. An excellent and exalted son at that. And yet as exalted as the prophets were, the son is superior and final by virtue of being God's son and God himself, not a fallen servant like the prophets. The final prophet of revelation for salvation history is who? Jesus Christ. Now, the focus is not so much on who he is, but on what he is. The close relationship of communion of essence and highest of all revelation given to any prophet for the simple reason that they all spoke in part and the coming son is the very fulfillment of all things spoken about him. Thereby, the revelation by and through Jesus Christ is as valid and authoritative when the disciples preached it as it is today. It's the same. Who, um, having a beautiful, brilliant, 
and finished diamond would want to have the rough, unfinished stone? No one. Not one of us. So with Christ and the law. There are many today, as well as in the past, who have accepted different religious men and women as their leaders for divine revelation. In fact, they hold true to them, thinking that they are assured of heaven and that they have a relationship with God. But they're wrong. I think of the Watchtower and Jehovah Witness who are attempting to work their way to heaven, declaring that they are one of the 144,000 uh, when in fact the context is 144,000 Jews in the Great Tribulation. I always like to ask them, what tribe you from? A complete distortion of the scriptures, not just one of many, many points. They've got greater problems than the 144,000. Uh, others trust Mormonism with the uh, writings of Joseph Smith, Pearls and Doctrines, and so on and so forth, uh, as if it's a restored gospel. Well, I've never been told in the New Testament or old that we lost the gospel. So someone's lying. And um, I think it was the angel Moroni, who was full of baloney, who was lying to Joseph Smith. Uh, he just wasn't wearing his red PJs at the time. <laughs> Interesting. And there are those who simply believe that they are just good and they're going to be in heaven because they're so good. And they want us to believe that man is good. And I've told you often, finish the sentence, good for nothing. Romans 3.10, there's none good, no, not one. And then he, he can hear somebody out there in his mind saying, how about me? He says, no, not even you. No one. The argument of many is that there are many different interpretations to the Bible always. And that how can we be so dogmatic and so ruthless to say only certain people can and how they can get to heaven? Well, I understand the Bible is difficult at times, and there are a few passages that are difficult, but not most of them. In fact, the message of salvation is so simple and so clear that a child can understand it. Let me just let you take a little test. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me in John 14, 6. How many interpretations can we get through that? All right? Let's ask Dr. Luke. He says this, there is salvation and no other, for there is no other name under heaven and earth among men whereby we must be saved, the name Jesus. Acts 4.12. Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and one meter between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due times. How many interpretations? No room for Mary, no room for saints, no room for works, no room for anything or anyone. There's only one way, one person, one name. You must be saved. You must turn from your sin. The prophets and Jesus represent two covenants. Paul the Apostle, remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, contrasts the two covenants. The one was glorious, the Old Testament, but it was partial and temporary, even that the glory of, of, of the Shekinah glory faded away from the face of Moses. One is compared to passing away the ministry of death, the other one the ministry of life, one of condemnation, the other one of righteousness. The old had a glory, but when you compare it to the superior glory of the new, it has no glory compared to it. Remember your first car? Primer, dented, but you waxed it. Whoa, it looked pretty shiny. But then you get the new car. You put a next one. Whoa, what happened there? Superior shine. Superior glory. 
And therefore the Father spoke through the prophets of that ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, that the men of old were carried along by the Spirit of God. They did not speak of their own impulse or origin, but as the Spirit of God carried them to ensure us that what was written and preserved for us was infallible and errant. Plenary verbal inspiration. I can trust my life and my eternity to it. And they prophesied of that prophet in Deuteronomy 1818, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the finished or the final proclamation of God to man, the ultimate prophet. And notice secondly here, Jesus is the finest revelation. He's the finest revelation of God being man, the unsurpassing king. Notice first, Jesus is heir of all things, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Jesus shared in equal glory with the Father before the world was. Remember John 17, 5, glorify thou me, Father, which the glory which I had before the world, okay? Jesus left eternity and emptied himself of his glory, never of his deity. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and God was the word. And Philippians 2, 7 says, and he emptied himself, and he took on the form of a servant. He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. And he became a servant, obedient to the death of the cross. He emptied himself of his glory. He divested himself and he clothed himself with a human body. And God became man. In fact, Paul told the Ephesians that according to the will and the purpose of God in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. In him, no one else. All things shall be subdued unto him. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says. Now, we don't see that everything subdued to him right now. You who have been born again have bowed your knee to him, but there are others who are not. But they will in the future, but they can't be saved then. Then it will be forcibly. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 10 says. We don't see that right now. Jesus stated clearly that he was the heir of everything. You remember the parable of the wicked vine dressers where he leased it out and he sent a servant. They beat him when he went down to get the fruits and he sent another one to beat him again. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. They'll honor and respect him. And they looked at him and said, hey, this is the heir. Let's kill him. The vineyard will be ours. And when they killed the son, then he says, what will he do to these evil wicked men and destroy them? Jesus plainly stated, I am the heir of everything. When was this decreed? From all eternity. For God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 5, 46, 10 tells us that. Yet Jesus, through the incarnation, became heir of all things. Listen to chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 9 through 11. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of the death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren we become brethren to Jesus because he became human and therefore as he partook of our existence then that is our connection 
And we'll see later on that we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us of the work of the Savior who paid the ultimate price of a debt he didn't owe on our behalf. And if you'd like a copy of today's message, you cannot do better than Jesus. It's available on CD for only $4. And we're able to include much more than our limited time allows for on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is, You Cannot Do Better Than Jesus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address for any comments you have about this radio ministry for Pastor Xavier as well. And once again, emails can be sent to simpletruths at ccpas.com. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the Great Physician. He's the Hope. He's Love. The list goes on and on. Pastor Xavier Reese continues next time with Attributes of the Savior. Hope you'll be back then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com